Okay, y'all, listen, I saw Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome to episode nine of the JLP radio show. I am your hostess with the mostest, Janice Yvette, and I'm here with my esteemed, esteemed co-host. Stills the Great. Stills, it has been a little while. Yeah, it's been a while. So much stuff has happened. We didn't we, we almost got killed by the smog in the air from oh, Canada. Yeah. Talk about it. Juneteenth passed us. Uh-huh. Father's Day. How was your Father's Day? Happy Father's Day. How oh, was that? Man. Thank you, man. Father's Day was um, it was interesting for me. You know, I got back home Father's Day night, so okay. Where you was? Little man, I ain't see my little man until a couple days after that. But every day is Father's Day, man. When you're a father in Definitely. your kid's life, you know what I'm saying? Like Definitely. me. So it was. Shout out, know, drop a bomb for all the fathers. All the fathers, drop a bomb, drop a bomb for them. You know Thank I mean? you for all you do, especially especially the black fathers out there. You guys don't get um, you just do so. Shout out to y'all. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it was good for me, man. Father's Day was good. Um, good, you deserve it. Good. Yeah, everything was good. But where were you? You said when you got back. You uh, said you got back Father's well, Day. We went. I did go to Miami uh, on some business. I went down to Miami for. The Black Film Festival. Nice. How was that? How? What kind of experiences was was that? I know it it was was crazy. It was a great experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went before. Like I said, I went back in like it was. um, I want to say like two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. This is around the time when G Unit first started doing um those animated uh, videos. Yes. I went down there with the crew that um kind of did all the animated videos at the time for them. And, you know, I went down there just as a buddy, just to be down there, just to see what's going on. So now this time I went down with something mm. I actually offer. And, you know, I try to get down there to get some knowledge and information about some things that I'm trying to expand on and do. How's it looking? It's looking good. I met a lot of people, man. And, and for those that don't know what the Black Film Festival is, man, Black Film Festival is basically a festival um, where most of the minority executives from these big companies mm-hmm. come to Miami. They... um. They get together, they network, they they um, preview up and coming or new shows by some of your favorite artists. Like mm-hmm. one, I saw the Jamie Foxx, uh, one of the last uh, movies that Jamie Foxx did before he you know got into a situation. Right. Um, they it's called They Clone Tyrone. It comes out in July. That was oh, pretty cool. It was okay. pretty cool. Um, I'm the one that I did miss the night I was supposed to be out. I missed the night. This was when Gab- Gabrielle Union premiered her um her love story you know what, what was I mean? that what's I, that gonna be i forgot be the name of it it's it, it that's what made me you know I, she's I, pre- I wait a minute she's producing it right yes, or something like that yes, yeah yes. And yeah she's like, in it she's also in it so oh she, nice she played a okay part shout out to gabrielle so union i missed that and that was the night when everybody came down to raji p henson everybody was red carpet everybody that that event was the event i needed to be at but for my own personal reasons i was like i ain't gonna see no gabrielle yeah, look what she did to dwayne wade and the son <laughs> <laughs> so that's a whole other show. That's a whole other show. I let my personal views get in the way of the business side of things, and I ended up missing that event. And that was one of the biggest events that happened that 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 weekend. But other than that, got to chill out with like some 
executives, record execs, they um, you know, gave us some insight. Did you talk to them about me? I ain't get to talk to nobody. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you. I was a little bit too cool for school out there. I'm not you gonna was? lie. Yeah, I was cool for I was cool. everybody was looking at me. I'm I mean, going next year. I'm everybody, be like, I'm, I'm not like, gonna lie. Everybody that talked to me, they initiated the conversation because I was so quiet. I just was down there. I had my bucket hat on, you know, my shades. I'm just chilling. Just but that's how you got to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I wasn't the thirsty. The mysterious one. Yeah, I wasn't thirsty. I wasn't thirsty at all. And even guys that's like That's annoying Kevin, to people in the industry. Yeah, Kevin Lyles and everybody was like, what? Yeah, looking at me, trying to get my attention. I wasn't really paying them no mind. But I, I, I went out there really for information. I made some great connections with um, a lot of independent filmmakers. That have their own distribution and all that stuff. I so, didn't know you wanted to make films. Hey man, you know I'm a you know I'm a um actress. Don't play with hey, me. Hey man, we're all actresses <laughs> at some point in time in life. Nah, Let me know. Not. I could put actresses on a little actresses. something. Nah, I mean, not, but but that really mm-hmm. wasn't the main focus for me going down there, like to do the filming. But it, it's part of it's part of the fabric of what we do here. So yes, it makes sense to learn more about it, get more involved in it, and that's kind of like what I took from it. You know what I mean? I really was down there. More so for the music side, radio placement, like for music. You know, I do music. What's the well. music? What's the music and radio Storming. vibe in Miami? I mean, what do you mean? Is, is it like like the popularity? Are people listening to the music? Are people more, you know, nah. streaming like they do here? Nah, like, is it is it's different? The city of Miami and South Beach is two different things. The city okay. of Miami. It's first forty eight. When you look at A and E and you look at those criminals, that's what it is for real. Yeah, that's Miami. You make one bad turn, you end up somewhere where you don't belong, and then you might not get out of there. But then the, the strip, South Beach, is really a tourist attraction yeah. for everybody to come down there and have a good time and stuff. Oh like that. yes, but I it was a good experience. Well, it sounded like a good time. Next year, I want to go. Yeah, um, yeah. I, it sounded like amazing. So. Um, but what was I? What have I been up to? Yeah, what you so, been up to? Check you out. So, you so out, we, we we last recorded, and and if you're listening now, thank you so much for listening. You can call in at five one six two zero six zero seven one one. You can mm-hmm. chat with me. We have a special guest today. Um, yeah. So last week, man, my my parents was on. It was for Mother's Day, and then it just got crazy. The month, the whole month of May and June, it went so crazy. We mm-hmm. had. My daughter's birthday, then my daughter's graduation, my daughter's Congratulations. prom. Yeah, thank you so much. She's going, she's graduating. That, you know, I talked about the anticipation leading up to it, and it's a lot. Like, shout out to all the 2023 graduates. Congratulations to all y'all. Um, congratulations also to the parents because it takes a lot. Shout out to the parents. A lot goes into the planning and buying dresses and keeping up with teachers and figuring out the next move and going mm-hmm. to the doctor and mm-hmm. getting all your shots and camp and mm-hmm. here's a lot of stuff. And I'm not saying dads don't do that. I'm sure dads are heavily involved in it too. But um, just shout out to everybody who who is in graduate deep in. Or at the end of graduation season, Shout it was a really, him. it was a really busy one. Um, yeah, so I'm licensed to do hair now, so I'm ex- I'm excited about that. I could not, thank you. I could not wait to get back here though because I literally miss this place so much. Like everybody kept saying, "When's the next show? When's the next show?" And I said because it, it started, it started to like catch on. People started sharing it. Um, a lot of people now that they are on hiatus, like especially my teacher friends, they're like Janice, like you got a really good show. And I think what I need to be more 
uh, vigilant about in terms of this show and getting the word out. It's kind of like being patient as well. You know, eight episodes is a is a lot. You know, for for me and. I want to make sure I'm getting the word out. So I plan on doing like a TikTok. I heard TikTok is where it's at. Yeah, TikTok is, is, I mean, well, you know. I in mean, terms of getting the word out. Listen, I don't know. I'm old in the game. Don't pay. Don't don't think it's getting shown in China. No, no, no. no I'm just, <laughs> I just say just for heavy, heavy, heavy promotions. Now that mm-hmm. I'm like have a lot of downtime, you know, I want to make. A lot of ideas come to fruition. Um, you know, I had like some also some personal issues with family yeah. while, that I'm still trying to get over. But, you know, life happens yeah. and, you know, you got to keep on going. And that's kind of like where I am. I'm super excited to jump right back into it because I've been wanting everybody knows that, you know, this podcast has made up a lot of, of a lot of different things a lot of them is like the unsung heroes the people in education you know people know i'm very very into poetry spoken word and um that's kind of what i want to ca- use my platform for i know you were doing um you were on your little your journey not your little journey but your journey your health journey how is that going i mean you know I've been more conscious, but yes. you know, just being outside and being everywhere, it was yeah. hard to stick to a real regimen. But I've been definitely more conscious of what I've been. And I think that's key. Yeah. So, so I mean, I wasn't hard going hard like how I was in the beginning. Yeah. Because I've been moving around and doing everything, and it's hard when you're on the road mm-hmm. to like stick with all of that stuff. But it's been going well, man. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing what I was told to do. You know what I mean by health professionals and stuff like that. And yes. I've been also dibbling and dabbling with things that other people on the outside was telling me to try and all of that stuff so i've been doing well i've been doing good i feel good well Mm -hmm. i'm proud of you and feeling good that's that's like great to hear and i want to touch go back real quick on what you you said like you know you're conscious of it right Uh and i think a lot of times where we lose ourselves is when we stop thinking about what it is how uh, we're treating our bodies you know i'm just recognizing you know okay i i did this last week i'm Mm -hmm. not going to do it this week i'm Mm going to be more active you know just having that mindset that you're going to make sure you watch any and everything um I want to jump right into it. I, I know we're going to go to our first break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking to an amazing woman. Uh, who's um, that? Who's she, that? Her name is uh, Antoinette Kane, yeah. and I am privileged to know this woman. She's not only my very, very close personal friend, yeah. but she um, newly founded a school. She saw there was a gap in the education system, and she decided to do what she needed, what she um, knew had to be done mm. to kind of start closing it. So we're gonna get um, an inside aspect of what it's like to open up a school, to found a school, and everything that she's been through that led her up into that point. I'm really nice. excited. Nice. So stay tuned nice. for that. So what are we doing? We going into the first. Yeah, we could go into to our first break. Uh, okay. um, I want to play all her favorites. Um, uh. Because, you know, she I'm kind of dedicating this show because this is a big deal to open up a school, you know. That's what's up, man. For real, man. Shout out to Antoinette, man. I'm curious to hear what's going on over there. But don't forget, check in the numbers 516-206-0711. We'll Call be in. back. I ain't playing with you. Thank you. 
So, um, I am, we're back. And I told you that before we come back, we're going to hear from somebody who is amazing. And I just want to paint a picture real quick before she gets um, on it, if that's okay. So, to set it up, right, my, I started my charter school teaching part of my career um, about five, six years ago. Okay. Um, and so that Shout first experience, charter yes, charter schools are, are very good schools depending on which one you're at. Not network, just depends on the school because every school is ran differently. But anyway, shout out to them. Um, I had the pleasure of working with um, an individual who I thought was just like mad annoying when I first met her. And I was just like, yo, who is this girl? Because she like, kind of like came to our school on um, my second year there. And it was fun. Um as we got through the school year, because we, we faced a lot of craziness together with our administration, with other teachers there, and we kind of formed a bond by the end of that year. Mm -hmm. And even though everybody, we went in our separate ways, we made sure that we stayed in contact. And I think the reason why our bond was so solid is because, you know, of her story. It's very similar to... Um, to my story in that you know sh that she has that survivor spirit like she kind of mm -hmm. went through like some really really tough times mm -hmm. and um for her to persevere number one she was always a star teacher mm -hmm. and m just a role model for educators and a standard to kind of look up to at a very young age because she I don't even think she's 30 yet she's not mm -hmm. 30 yet mm -hmm. and for her to, to have accomplished all that she has accomplished um, up until this point is is truly mm -hmm. truly an awesome um, feat it's not and in, in, um, you know yeah, I just, I just don't, don't want it to go unnoticed so I decided that I was going to take my platform and kind of give it to her for for a day because through everything she persevered she like I said she she saw that there was a need in education and she did something about it so I don't want to say too too much I know she's trying to um get on internet are you there good there we go there she goes there she is there she is no look at girl please smoking in my building and it made the alarm go off oh okay okay all the smokers out there know they ain't supposed to be out here smoking cigarettes go outside y'all y'all messing up my podcast that's a fact for real um answer that how are you today um let me hear can we hear answer that okay does that sound good sure i think that we should be good check us yeah yes. perfect um i was telling you know i was bragging about you but i'm gonna let yeah. you do the talking about you um the reason why i i told you to come on here as my guest not only are you my one of my very closest friends and oldest friends but you did something amazing this year something that i think should not go unnoticed um and I just want to give you your flowers today. We're playing some of your favorite songs. And um, in the meeting, I want you to tell us, start from the beginning, like, who is Antoinette? Start from the very, very beginning. Where you from? All of that. Okay. Long story, so I'll give you the snapshot. Um, I'm Antoinette. I am from Brooklyn, born and raised. Uh, I, am, I grew up in Brooklyn, and at a young age, you know, my dad was in and out of prison, so he I didn't really know who my dad was. Um, and I was, me and my brother, we were a year apart, and we both had a young teen mom. And so that came with a few different challenges. Um, and so 
I basically at four entered into the foster care system after my mom, you know, experienced a shooting. Um, It was a domestic violence situation. And though she survived, she just wasn't in a predicament um, where she could take care of me. And so that at an early age just really taught me to be independent. And I sort of cling on school. I love school because it was like very a consistent place for me. I saw the same people every day and I just like to learn. And so that kind of stood with me my whole life um, and definitely is full circle when I opened the school. I don't know the detail to which you want to me to tell you that. So let's start from where you and I met. What was going on? And you're from that point in time, because we, you know, I told everybody we taught together. Like, what Mm -hmm. was some, what was like your whole main thing, your whole main focus or reason for going into education in the first place, other than, you know, you love school? Well, I actually never wanted to go in education. If you would ask me, I never in my life wanted to be a teacher. That was the last thing. Um, Growing up, I really loved performance and performance arts and spoken word poetry. And um, I thought I was going to be an actress or a doctor or a lawyer, one of those. And then when I went to, I ended up getting a full scholarship to go to Bard College, which is like a private liberal arts, not far from where I ended up opening my school, about 30 minutes away. I started to study sociology. So I entered thinking I was going to be a writer. And then I found sociology um, where my focus was really on race and the intersection of race, religion and prisons Mm -hmm. um, and just like social justice. So when I graduated college, I was convinced that I was going to abolish prisons and replace them with black owned farms. Like I had really big, I I just knew that I was going to do something. Right. um, And do something that helped people, specifically people of color. So basically I didn't do that. I ended up going, applying for my dream school, which was Columbia School of Social Work, so that I could do that level entry work with those who are um, either impacted by people who are incarcerated or incarcerated themselves. Yes. This was inspired because while I was in college, I would tutor um, men who were incarcerated uh, at Greenhaven Correctional Facility, upstate New York, and they were actually pursuing their bachelor's degree. And then I would spend my afternoons um, with high school students locally, and it was so interesting to me how the high school students were like, you know, I don't want to do this. Can I curse? Yeah, of course you can. <laughs> and like, I don't want to do this shit, but then I'm working with men who will never get out of prison again. And they were so motivated to learn wow. and to like gain knowledge. And I was like, there's a gap there. Like, right. what? That don't make sense. But um, anyways, that's what I wanted to do. And then um, I ended up taking a gap year in between um, going back to get my master's from Columbia. And in that year, I found teaching. Actually, before I knew Janice as a teacher, I knew you as a mother because your daughters went to the school that I worked at. Yep. Um, and they First were one of grade, my favorite yeah. kids. So we connected that way. And then, um, yeah, I, I, felt I went into the classroom within one year. I was very successful in the classroom. They promoted me to a grade level chair um, where I got to oversee the second grade team. And I had a really good relationship with students that they struggled with mm-hmm. behaviorally. So that's when I was asked um, to go 10 blocks away to where Janice worked, <laughs> like height. And um, that's where I got to know you. And then we ended up on the same team. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the rest was kind of history. And that was a crazy year. We There was a lot of teachers quitting that year. Um, we just, Janice, how did you feel about me when we 
No, I already told them. I already said I ain't like you. I ain't like your style. You came in very cocky. You know, you put you had you put your you put your Virgo hat on, and we was just like mad annoyed. But then I said when we got to work side by side, you know, because remember we weren't on the the same team at first. I was on the third grade team, and then they moved me um, to cover the the second grade class that the other teacher had had left, and that's when I got on your team. And people were kind of like, oh my God, because it was two strong personalities. Like, what is this relationship going to be like? Are they going to bump heads? And I thought that as well from, you know, previous previous interactions with you outside of um, being um, working right next to you. But what we quickly learned is that we were literally on the same page. We were parents, you know, we we're good behavior managers, you know. And then what I learned from you is like, and I'm still working on is my organization and attention to detail. But I think that um, we kind of like meshed in, in in that way, and that kind of what was the glue that continued to hold our bond yeah. together, right? I know that you know you were doing so well, and you got you came up for assistant principal. And we were all rooted for you. We were so happy because, you know, we loved you so much. And then you didn't get it, right? And we were just like, you know, you were robbed. How good they? You're the best person for the job. You know, you had people stealing your curriculum. But so said that you weren't um, fit for the job. But, you know, I digress. I just had to say that. Um, and then you went to another school. We parted ways. You taught at another school. I taught at another school. And what happened while you were at the other school? Yeah, so I had went from um, the school we were at where I hated it working there, but I loved, you know, my relationships with my students and families, and I had a, I had really good data, so my principals kept me around, even though they didn't always like my attitude, and um, I went to another school where it was completely opposite, so I went from, like, complete a school with, like, complete white woman leadership to a school with black male leadership. And that was an interesting switch. Um, and I thought it was going to be a little bit more seamless than it was, actually. I realized that there it it wasn't all what it was made out to be as well. Like, it, that school also came with its challenges and issues. Um, and so I remember, yeah, that year just kind of feeling a little bit comfortable and complacent. And I think, like, my job was so easy. You know, I could, like, do it with my eyes closed and I wasn't being challenged in a way. Right. And so I did get tasked with, like, overseeing the third grade team. And that was an interesting experience because I was working and having to manage um, adult women teachers who are all older than me and more experienced than me and kind of like, wow. why are you the one managing me? Wow. Um, but anyways, it was mid-year where I was just feeling like, you know, I don't know. I, you ever get that experience where you, and not in an arrogant way, in the most humblest way, I mean, like, you know, you're too good for where you are. Yes, mm. of course. You know, like that you can be used, you're not being valued in the way. So therefore you're taking a back seat when you should not be. Mm -hmm. So I, like I remember day. it was the last day of February. Every day. Yep. <laughs> and my horoscope, I'm big into astrology and my horoscope was saying like, you know, in February, you're going to get like life changing news. Mm -hmm. so at the edge of my toes, February came and gone, nothing special happened. The very last day of February, February 28th, I received an email stating like, you've been nominated for this fellowship to have you open the school. And I had heard about the fellowship before. Mm -hmm. First year of teaching, my AP said that I should do it. And I looked at her like I was crazy because I was like, I'm only a first year teacher. What are you talking about opening a school? Mm -hmm. But now four years into my teaching career, which again is not a lot, but I felt ready. So I applied for the fellowship. And um, as soon as I was about to fly out to Boston for the final mm -hmm. stage, COVID hit. And so I ended up doing that interview virtually. And then in April of 2020, I got the fellowship. 
um, and it's called Building Excellent Schools. And basically what they do is they provide you with a livable stipend for a year while you work with a cohort of people across the nation who are opening their own schools. And you guys kind of like go, get to see different school models that exist, build your vision, and write your business plan. So that's when I spent um, 2020 into 2021 naming the school um, and writing the 571-page business plan. It was a lot. It was definitely like a mental warfare. Mm-hmm. And it was definitely, it was during the pandemic. So there was nothing that I can do. It was like me and my laptop, you know, mm-hmm. just writing this business plan. When I got tired of writing one section, I went to another when I got tired of writing that because I had 46 sections to write. So I could always I remember that. that. I remember yeah. that. She was typing. I'm I was working. like, what you doing? She was like, I'm working. I'm working. I'm working. That You didn't even sleep. I don't know if you That's slept nice. a lot during that time. Yeah, there were times when I would stand for two weeks at a time to meet a deadline. Mm-hmm. Wow. Just get things done but um and anyway that's the process of how anyone can open and found their own charter school which i didn't even realize the problem is is it's hard right like anyone can write a business plan it's about writing a good business plan know what you're talking about and building a five-year model for how you would build a school grow a school and then scale a school while still getting high results um so you have to think about every aspect of it from the facility to the curriculum to who you hire to how you hire to how you evaluate them to what curriculum you use mm-hmm. um, yeah so it was a lot of work and then you also have to build a board because it's a nonprofit. Mm. so i had to like just reach out to local professionals um in the area um i ended up opening a school in poughkeepsie city new york why why poughkeepsie well poughkeepsie is um sort of like a hub for big city problems but in a very like rural city area so it's surrounded by like more affluent white towns but if you walk through the city of poughkeepsie like it's plagued with there's a lot of beauty and resilience in poughkeepsie i don't want to paint it in like a deficit but there's the reality is is that majority of people live below the poverty line majority of people are Mm -hmm. of color um or um you know struggle with mental health or Mm drug addiction things like that so that's the reality of what you see and they only have there were no charters out here so i could have opened in brooklyn and been another one of the 200 charters that existed mm-hmm. or i could have went into an area where there is no other option mm. um and so that came with its own political challenges because small town politics mm-hmm. you know, someone who's not from there coming in mm-hmm. and you're always a threat when you're thinking about how to like reproduce knowledge mm-hmm. And so, and change the way that knowledge is produced. So yeah, they came with a lot of political issues, but in June of 2021, I ended up getting state approved by the Board of Regents and um, the you know, State University of New York. Good job, yes. Mm-hmm. And then with severely de- delayed big grant, I had one year to hire everyone, recruit 120 students and families, get the building ready, get the lease ready. Um, and so many different things in between. And then we opened in August of 2022 um, to serve 120 kindergarten and to first graders. And each year we'll grow a grade until we serve over 360. Beautiful wow. answer that. Wow. So you said a lot. Yeah, go ahead and drop a bomb. Drop a bomb for my friend. You know what I'm saying? So you see why I wanted her. It was worth the wait. It was worth the alarm going off because I told you this woman is is amazing and she kind of like glossed over a lot of stuff. That must have been the um, people in the town hearing that she about to do an interview and they set the alarm off. <laughs> 
Um, I want to go back a little bit, Antoinette, because you kind of glossed over some things. Um, what? It was yeah. She she did gloss over a few things as far as opening up the building and the backlash that you faced. Can you like talk a little bit, speak a little bit to like the political uh, issues that you had? If you can, I don't know if you can or not, but just set some light on yeah, some of the the things that you. Yeah, she probably don't want to tell the whole world all her business now, but hey, no, but you know, she well, it is what it is. Um, basically, the long, the short story of it was that I there were very limited places I knew I wanted to be in the city of Poughkeepsie. I didn't want to be in the town of Poughkeepsie because that's not who I opened the school for. Mm. So there were basically two buildings mm. that I had the choice between, and both of them were owned by the archdiocese, the church, and so one what? just like talk about the square footage, all of it, it was perfect. So they had a vacant building. I ended up getting it. As soon, we went over a year of lease negotiations back and forth between lawyers. It was like a 50 plus page lease, you know, a 28,000 square foot, three-story building school. And so um, as soon as I was getting ready to like sign, the day I signed the lease, the day after I got like a notice from the city stating that like, you can't lease there um because it's out of zoning code that only a private school can be there because it was like formerly a catholic school wow and i i knew that that wasn't true because we're a public school so we're constitutionally protected especially being in a building that has since 1935 only operated as a school building private or public shouldn't matter so yeah so basically i had to like get lawyers a land use attorney lawyer and i spent the next six months um battling with them to finally get the rights to the building um which meant that i had two weeks to completely renovate the building move into it and get it ready for the students um well i was planning to have six to eight months to do that that's crazy and wow. then you know with construction nothing ever goes as planned so of course when we started constructing between shady contractors to just issues that we found in an old building it was just delayed, delayed, delayed. But I still was able to open on time. Um, but I just had to like phase the construction. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Wow. Well, that I can only imagine the things that you've gone through, especially trying to open up a school um, in a in a building where archdiocese uh, that was owned by the archdiocese. Wow. And I, I remember when you was going through that, Kane, and you was like, I want, I can't believe, I don't want to do this. You know, yeah, I want to quit. And I'm like, you know, you got this. It's gonna be okay. I remember you like really stressing over that and um, shout out to you. But there's something else that you touched on that you kind of lost over. You said something about reproducing education, right? I want you to speak to the education that you feel like black and brown children are getting now and what you offer, how you reproduce that education to a way that is now effective because you forgot to mention that you got shining reviews, you know, on the academic um, level for how you wanted to push your kids. So I want you to speak to that. And I also wanted you to speak to how you became the top 140 under 40. Because that's. Uh, um, yeah. So I can't take credit for all of my philosophies of education because they're so much influenced by other people who I've read. Like who? Got the pleasure to learn from. I mean, the great revolutionaries like Malcolm X, Angela Davis, Asada Shakur. Mm -hmm. Um, but also most, you know, more recently, just like um, Goldie Muhammad, Bettina Love. Um, and so I'll stick with Bettina Love for now in her book, We Want to Do More Than Survive. Um, and she's actually extremely critical of charter schools. And I would say is not super pro charters, especially the ones that we come from, those large networks. Yeah. Um, you know, we, for the same reasons, don't like them. But 
Anyways, basically in her argument, it's that right now we are in an educational survival complex. We are just like merely trying to survive, especially black and brown children, mm -hmm. that their school is not a place. It's just another institution that they have to get by in that they have to get through, that they have to figure out, that they have to be criminalized in, dehumanized in. Um, and so how do we get to a point at which students, especially students of color, can go to school and thrive? And for me, the way that I feel the disconnect is you have to, you have to really tap into a sense of self. Like before we ask students to be kind to one another or tap into the collective or love and honor their history or their culture, they have to know their history and their mm -hmm. culture, right? They have to be able to explore it, to define it. So when I built the school and I wrote the curriculum, identity was at the forefront. Like in school, we speak about who we are, what we've been through, where we want to go, um, the things that we're challenged by. You know, things that show up intergenerationally that we may not have experienced, but because our ancestors did, they show up in different ways. Um, and then most importantly, I think about just this narrative of violence, especially in the communities that I grew up in. And I, you know, I ultimately think it comes down, like, if it's one young black man walking on the street who get into an argument with another, he draws a gun. It's so easy to take his life. Why? Because he himself, the one who was the shooter, was never taught to see the and recognize the humanity in himself. Mm -hmm. So how can we, starting at five years old, start to build that understanding of pride, of you know, loving who you are, knowing who you are, mm -hmm. and then connecting with and supporting others who look like you as well. Mm -hmm. And they don't really gotta think like you. Mm -hmm. um, no. So yeah, that's like what I said tonight. How do you bridge the gap between knowledge of the world and what in school all day you're learning, you're being you have to memorize this, know this, read that, but never do you get to question things or never do you have to bridge the gap between, okay, this is what I learned, but this is how it looks like in my world mm -hmm. or show up in my world. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, well, first of all, I am beyond proud to know you. You know, we always talk about this. I've been your biggest cheerleader um, ever since I decided that you were awesome and that I could learn from you. Um, one, I, I want to share a memory um, and I know you probably remember when you were like, um, listen, I'm going to perform. I think they were doing some type of show at our school. And you was like, I want to perform. I want you to, to I want you to um, videotape me. And you read this poem, right? And this poem was just amazing. Like it brought, it gave me chills. And um, on the JLP Wellness um, show, JLP Radio um, itself, we talk a lot about spoken word. We are very big on you know, identity as well and speaking and like just promoting, you know, people to find out who they are, right? Part of people's identities are that they're poets, right? So I know that you're a spoken word poet. So I want to ask oh. if you can recite that same poem because I think it's just so appropriate about what the poem is entitled mm. and what you're doing now. Um yeah. Okay, sure. so what I haven't decided in years, and I will give the context. I wrote this poem when I was angry in college about all of the bullshit that I was learning and systems and wow. being at a college that was predominantly white. So, anyways, I can wow. definitely recite the poem. Okay, what's hmm. the what's the title of the poem? Um, it's the first line: "Young black men live to be fathers to their children." Question mark. Hmm. Okay, go ahead. Damn. Whenever you're ready, you have the floor. Okay. <laughs> I know she's shy, guys. <laughs> All right. Can young black men live to be fathers to their children? 
or must they fall victim to a system that was built to dismiss them? Police lying say they resist them only because they got weapons to assist them. Justice has gone missing, trust in this crooked system. Too much talking and not enough listening. Being black has become a crime as if the color of your skin is the only thing that can be defined. If we rewind time, you will find this country has always been racist, faceless, political, escapist. They brought human cargoes here in chains, gave them their last names, bred their children with pain, all because they didn't look the same. Mm. Slaves built our roads, they paved our street, they picked this country's cotton with their own two hands and feet. Mm. They created our economy that we brag about so prosperously, turned black culture into a monopoly. Then they hung mm. bodies from trees, stripped them of what it meant to be free. Black bodies were disposed of and never treated up properly. As time went on, they created prisons only meant for people of color to exist in. Mm. Committed to inhumane living, prison is an industrial complex made to abolish black activists that were working so actively to combat these inequalities. Mm. The oppression is America's obsession, only disguised as a lesson. The good old, well, if you work hard, you can make it. Yeah, well, I say this is a fabrication, because blacks and browns have been working their entire existence to combat the discrimination that is woven in our nation. Red for the blood that was shed, blue for the bruises of the abused, mm. and white for supremacy. Because we have too many daring Wilsons who are armed and willing to commit a killing and blame the victim and not spend a damn day in prison. Rest in peace, Mike Brown, who was taken living in the skin he never asked to be in. It's time for some uplifting, more marching, less sitting. We need more people who are willing and driven to combat the systematic oppression that has made me so livid that has decreased our standard of living. This ain't about winning. This is about digging ourselves out of the grave, the grave of the enslaved, the depraved, and the behaved. Mm. It's not too late to save ourselves, to reclaim our wealth. And by wealth, I don't mean money. I mean unity, I mean knowledge, I mean homage. The internalization of self-hatred that has been perpetuated through the segregation of the soul and the mind. Mm. A prisoner of history because his story leaves all glory to the colonizer, not the colonized that has been deprived. Left to believe that his color is a stain to be a slave to one's own appearance. Only defined by the other, the same other who stole brothers and those other brothers who hurt mothers, who children were left to suffer just to cover one's own color. Mm. Because when you're colored, others believe they are above you. But to believe is to deceive, especially when your belief are used to mistreat. And in a quote-unquote post-racial society, it is now more than ever that privilege be acknowledged and the school-to-prison pipeline be abolished and the truth be acknowledged that there are actually more black men in college and that you can only be set free once you realize you are being held hostage. Wow, I think it, it 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 hit more this time than the first time I heard it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Ms. it, Miss Kane. Thank you very much. I, I thoroughly, 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 thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I appreciate you for coming on the show. Um, I would be remiss, right, if I didn't put you through, put you in a hot seat. Are you ready? Oh. It's um I, I this is the first time I'm debuting this. It's called um this is this or that, right? Mm. So I'm gonna give you two options you and it's gonna be kind of rapid fire. Mm. And um still don't know. Uh, I just sprung mm. it on him, but I decided, you know what, if it's gonna be enough time at the end of this, I wanna see because I know people wanna know get to know a little bit about who Miss Kane is. Now on the other side, like personally, because we know her professionally. Now let's see. If she can handle being in the hot seat. Your first question. Polyamorous or monogamous? Monogamy. (laughs) Okay. Jay-Z or Nas? I'm going to go with, damn, I'm from Brooklyn. But I'm going to go with Nas. 
still stills like that. Okay. A night on the town or Netflix and chill. Damn, a little bit of both, but I'll say night on the town if I don't know you like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Steak. Steak or salad? Steak. Okay. Um, and my last, last question. Um, Nets or the Knicks? Knicks. Whoa. <laughs> there you have it. My friend just put it on. She just said, um, before we go, Internet, I want you to um, um, get give your, your socials, how everybody can follow you and um yeah all about your school yeah, and how they can support your school yeah my school is little water prep um you can follow us on instagram at little water prep p-r-e-p um my personal is antoinette marie spelled just like marie antoinette but reverse mm. and my instagram is antoinette marie but double a so a-a antoinette marie Great. Is there any anything that you would like to say? Any plugs you like to make? Any black businesses you would like to? Any shout outs? You have time. The shout out is to both of you for having me today and listening. And my extra shout out is to Janice, especially because I love her. If you know Janice, no matter where she goes, she operates through love and joy and brings that to everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and so. Shout out to you, Janice. You are living proof. <laughs> are we uh, are we outside later? That's all I want to know. Check you out. Yes, we are. Yes. <laughs> when I move my way to Brooklyn, we are. Okay. All right. So I see you later, friend. Thank you so so much. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you go. Thank you right. again. Thank you. All right. Worth the wait. Yeah. Whoa! Mm -hmm. What a story. Yeah, she got a dope story for sure. Her, she need to lot. write a book. She need to write 40, a book. That's that's yeah, big. Top forty under forty. Top forty under forty. And that's she's not even. She's not even thirty. Forget about forty. She's not even thirty yet. She's not even thirty. She's not even thirty oh my yet. God. And um, that's I think she. Has, yeah, she's accomplished uh, a lot. I want to thank um all the listeners. I want to shout out a few black businesses and organizations. We missed a lot since we've been gone. So again, shout out all the fathers. I do not want this day to go by without shouting out all the That's fathers crazy. for father's day i did not i know I sh we had a whole show dedicated um there's been a lot of black going on um shout out to my dad the greatest greatest dad and shout you know what shout out shout out to my kid's father man he showed up for my daughter's uh graduation shout out to him. yeah Word. and um you know she was really happy the happiest i've ever seen her so you know, I just wanted to 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 say that. Also, Juneteenth, nice. black businesses. One of the best black businesses I know is the Bars and Hoop Radio Show. <laughs> if you have a podcast that you want to debut, get in contact with this man or myself. Um, serious inquiries only, right? That's a fact. Um, have a plan. Um, uh, Still, he's cool, but he's very business oriented, and he definitely don't play that, especially about his bread. Hey. Yeah. Um, also, shout out to uh, your clothing line. What's the what's King's, the King's Ransom. Ransom? King's Ransom. We got the hats on the way. We got the polos on the way. Well, the polos are already here. T-shirts. Everything is on barsandhoops.com. Click on that shop button and go to town, and I got you. Don't you? And don't you have a tournament coming up? Yes. Well. 
unfortunately, I had to postpone the tournament because, you know, a lot of technical difficulties with these organizations and yeah. kids and teams traveling. But it's, it's still but on, though? It's still on. Okay. And we're going to have the kickoff date on the weekend of July the 16th, I believe. Okay. That's you know what I mean? Nice. And we're going to have it's, it's, a, it's a junior varsity tournament, so 16 and under. I'm going to have some younger kids playing up from 14 and 15-year-olds competing against older kids, which they should because it only gets it gets them better. Iron sharpens iron, steel sharpens steel. So we'll be kicking that off, from, like I said, the weekend of the 16th, 17th of July, and we'll go all the way to the end of August. So, you know, make sure you pull up, man. The tournament is located at Locust Manor Playground, which is the Jackie Robinson School of Queens, if you know what that is, 121. Dash 15, Lucas Street. And that's July 16th? Yes, July 16th, yes. All right, well, looking forward to that. Shout Mm -hmm. out to all the the people who uh, will participate.